Okay, so you have a stick of gum. The worst Sunday ever to do this is when all the kids are in here, but we're going to use this in a little bit, so just hold it, hold it, hold it. Don't start chewing yet. If you've already started, you're in trouble. Uh, when we chew this, keep your wrapper because we're going to check. I'm, I'm making a mental note of where you're sitting, and if I find gum under that seat, you're in trouble. So right now, you're going to set it aside. We're going to do that in just a little bit. Today, we're talking about the best advice ever. You know, first Sunday of every year is like, okay, you're setting the bar for the rest of the year. And so uh, we're going to try to set it kind of low, uh, and then uh, uh, it's going to keep getting better every Sunday from now on. This, uh, this particular Sunday, uh, I'm going to team teach with Josiah, and we're going to kind of do a little bit of, uh, you know, not back and forth. I'll start. Uh, Josiah is the creamy center of the Oreo cookie, and then uh, I'm the hard crust on the bottom, and I'll finish this out. That's how it's going to look. Advice is everywhere, and you can find it just about anywhere, and so with the internet, I mean, you can look up advice, and I did, and I found some really pretty good advice going in to this coming year. Reader's Digest said this, and these are all pretty good, actually, they had a bunch of them, I just gave you a few. Take a walk outdoors every day. I think that's good advice. Um, at least be outdoors a little bit every day. There's something about connecting with nature that helps us. And by outdoors, I think they probably mean if you're living in an apartment, not just on the, uh, not just on the balcony. But, you know, kind of get into a park or get to, in some trees. That's a good thing. Uh, leave a nice, now this is really important, leave a nice comment on someone's social media every day. You know, there's, some, there's something to be said for being a positive person and saying positive things to people. And so I think it really is good advice to say something nice, at least you don't have to, it doesn't have to be social media, but uh, say something nice to somebody like, uh, you know, uh, wow, that is some kind of dress you've got on. You know, something like that. You could do that, okay? Or, wow, you took a bath. Uh, you know, something, something to that effect. Read a book, a new book every month. Now, I know some of you all aren't readers. I'm not a reader, but let me tell you, I have discovered audiobooks, and they are amazing. And so uh, I can give you a couple of audiobook places that you can uh, register, and you can use them for free. Uh, so there's one uh, connected to the Greenville Public Library, and if you have a library card, and those are free, uh, if you go get a library card, you can uh, listen to books. I think they let you... Um, borrow seven a month. So uh, this task is quite easy if you want to just listen to a book. So for me, now when I get in my car and I'm driving down the road, I'll plug my book in and I'll listen to my book. And so for, from here to home is 25 minutes and back is 25 minutes. So every day, if I want to, I can spend 50 minutes listening to a book. That's a lot of listening. And so I know some of you all do podcasts and those kind of things. Maybe you just want to make a, a goal for yourself of, hey, I'd like to, I'd like to learn some things. So I'm in the middle right now. I'm trying to be very uh, diverse in what I'm listening to, what I'm reading. I'm actually literally reading a book uh, called The Genius of Money. I, I, because I have so much, i got to know what to do with it. You know, that's uh, your problem too, I know. Uh, but, but it's really interesting, and, and um, I want to know more about that topic. And so there are things that you can listen to that are, are diverse. I just finished one. Uh, by a guy named John Acuff. What was the name of that? Um, soundtracks, really, really good. 
And so um, maybe this year I'll do a little book review uh, every month uh, on my newsletter and just say, hey, here are a couple of books I read that I think are good. or th d Avoid this one. I appreciate somebody saying that, that was really horrible. Uh, you shouldn't read that, so I can do that for you too. Um, take a break from tech every day. So so many of us are just attached to our phones. We don't know what to do with ourselves without our phones. And it really is a great I don't know if it's a spiritual discipline, it's at least a discipline to like turn your phone off and leave it in another room and do something else someplace else. I mean, I know you're trying to track your steps and all, uh, but um, you could leave it somewhere for a while. It's really important to not be connected every minute of the day. Um, Book your annual checkup. <laughs> Some of y'all need that. Uh, so we should do that. Volunteer someplace. We have places to volunteer here. And I really want to talk about this last one. Meditate every day. Meditate every day. Now, most times when somebody says, hey, well, I'm going to meditate, what, they're, what they think of is like transcendental meditation. And, and you, you think of guys in, um, in uh, robes. And they hold their fingers like this, and they're sitting crisscross applesauce, and they're saying, um, which is kind of what I do when I go to KFC. Uh, I wear loose-fitting clothes, I lick my fingers, and I go, yum. So almost, <laughs> almost the same. <laughs> Nearly the same thing. But Psalm 1 is this... There are integral books. All the Bible's great. I don't mean to say one book's better than the other. But there are integral books in Scripture... And Psalm 1 is one of them. It's like the gateway to the Psalms. You, you all realize that the Psalms were the hymn book for Jesus. I mean, he, is the, he used those. When he's, when he's on the cross, he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Well, that's a direct quote from Psalm 22. Much of what Jesus taught, much of what Jesus prayed, these are the Psalms that he had memorized as a boy. And so when you look at the Psalms, they are kind of a window into worship, if you will. So Psalm 1 is strategically placed at the beginning because it is so important. So we're going to look at it today, a couple of verses of Psalm 1. Psalm 1, 1 through 3, I'm going to read it, and then we're going to kind of talk about it a little bit. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the steps with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but, those, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. All right, time out just a second. When we talk about law, it seems so um, uh, um, sterile. So let's, if you, if you would allow me just a, a little bit of privilege here, let, let's change that to, let's, he, we meditate on his word, uh, God's word. That's what he's talking about. They meditate on God's word day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Okay. Now, what's really interesting about Psalm 1 is he's not, this is really not a prayer. Uh, a lot of times the Psalms are prayers. Well, this one isn't a prayer. What, what he's literally doing, he's talking to himself. Do you all ever talk to yourself? Come on. I do. I mean, I do. Yeah, yesterday I was working on something up in the attic, and, and uh, I'm talking to myself, and then I realize Miriam's down listening, and it's like, uh, you know, it's like, good grief. She thinks I'm a nut. And I said, do you think I'm a nut? And she said, yeah. Uh, so it was helpful. Um, but I have, to, I have to verbally process things. And so Psalm 1 is sort of like David is verbally processing. 
David in Scripture is called a man after God's own heart. And so one of the things, and man, it's not like he didn't do anything wrong. I love David because he messed up so royally it gives me hope for my life. Because I've messed up royally as well. And as the king, he had an affair, and he had a dude knocked off. And I mean, he, he uh, took a census when he wasn't supposed to. He did some, he did really big stuff that was wrong. He sinned in a, an exceptional way. And yet, he was still considered a man after God's own heart. And, and so, he starts this these psalms, and he writes several of them, but, he, but the book of Psalms begins with this, this instruction sort of to himself on how to really have a blessed life. So 2023 is here. Uh, we're entering a new season, a new time. And so David is saying, okay, if you want to have a really blessed life, this is what it looks like. So this is the best advice ever. Now let's talk about, let's break it down just a little bit. First, he says, basically, make time to meditate on God's Word. Make time to meditate on God's Word. Now, I, I'm going to stipulate something. Uh, I understand that you are busy. I'm busy. You're busy. If you're retired, you're still busy. You know, sometimes it's like, oh, you're retired, then what do you do all day? Uh, we're all busy. I understand everybody's busy. If you're a parent, you're crazy busy. I get, I get it. Everybody's busy. But we do waste a lot of time. Now, I, I looked this up. I forget what uh, source this was. But um, the five ways that Americans waste the most time. Scrolling through social media. I am as guilty of this as anybody. In fact, I have to really discipline myself not to be on my phone for, for too long. I set an alarm. I'm only going to do this for five minutes. And I set the alarm, and then I'm looking through Twitter. I like Twitter. Uh, I don't do a lot of Facebook, but I like Twitter a lot. I get a lot of news from that. And so, but I, I've decided I'm not, I'm not going to be on there for very long. And so I'll look at it, I'll look at it, and then the alarm goes off, and I set the alarm again and look at it some more. Because uh, that's the way we are. We look and look and look and look, and we waste a ton of time on social media. Uh, most of this is phone stuff, by the way. Uh, using apps or games on your phone or tablet, watching TV, sitting in traffic. That's why, for me, listening to a book means I'm not wasting time. So I, I feel like I'm accomplishing something even when I'm sitting in traffic. Constantly checking our phones. I mean, we look at our phones all the time. If, I, if we had a church, and uh, Josiah does this on, on Wednesday nights, he makes the kids put their phones in a basket when they come in. If I did that, our attendance would be six. I, you know, uh, I, I get that. So have you ever thought of what it would be like without smartphones? Like we'd be smarter, I, I think. We'd have to dig it out. Here's what, here's what happens. You're in a conversation. Paul and I are talking, my buddy Paul. And Paul and I are talking about, I don't know, football. And we're saying something about the Eagles stink. And he would say, yeah, that's true. And uh, uh, we're talking, we're talking. And, and then I would say, when's the last time the, the Eagles won the Super Bowl? And you would probably know that right off the top of your head. Huh? 2018, that long ago? Uh, uh, long time ago. Uh, Cowboys, when's the last time? 96? It's been forever, hasn't it? It's been forever. Uh, but we can look anything up. And we just don't have to think about anything anymore. I, I, we have a friend that attends church here, and his mom has just been diagnosed with what's called frontal temporolobe dementia. And basically, that means she, she didn't sleep very much, and she was constantly thinking about things, and she literally has worn her brain out. 
And I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, how long is it going to be before we have that with, with this generation, with us? Because we are constantly looking at something on our phones. I don't want to see any hands. This isn't confession time. This is rhetorical. But how many of you in the middle of the night wake up and you feel a compulsion to look at your phone? It's called addiction. I did it last night. I went to bed before that football game was over and I I woke up and I'm like, "Hmm, I kind of really need to know that. I really need to know. I can't wait until seven in the morning. No, it's 2.54 and I've got to know. Did Ohio State keep the lead or did Georgia come back? You know, I, I have to know this. Why are we that stupid? What, what, by we, I mean me. Uh, why do we do things like that? And so, the truth of the matter is, um, we have time to do just about anything we want to. So, when the Bible says, blessed is the one who meditates on God's word, on his law... And the truth of the matter is, you have time to do it if you choose to. So do I. We have time to do just about anything we want to do. Now, the word meditate is this word. That's the Hebrew word. Haga. So this is where our gum comes in. All right, take out your gum. Take out your gum. Don't, don't put it in your mouth yet. Just have it. Have it. Just have it in your hand. This is the new kind of communion. Uh, I'm kidding. Uh, no. Um, <laughs> It lasts longer. Uh, carry. All right, so I want you to, chew, if you want to, if, if you if choose to chew your gum, when you put the gum in your mouth, I don't want you to just chomp, chomp, chomp. I want you to savor the flavor. Okay, do it now. Savor the flavor. Think about the complexity of the peppermint. I'm not going to do it because I can barely talk when I don't have gum in my mouth. If any of this ends up on the seats, you are in such big trouble. So save your paper. All right, let me me show you a verse, and you're going to go, what's that got to do with anything? And I'll, I'll explain. In Isaiah 31, it says this, When a strong young lion stands growling over a sheep and is killed, it is not frightened by the shouts and the noise of the whole crowd of shepherds. (laughs) What? Okay, so the word here... When it says uh, growling, that's the word haga. That's the word we're just looking at. If you've ever been around a dog who has a bone, you ever been around, I mean, like you, you give them a new bone, you know, and they kind of, what do they do with that bone? Well, they, 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 they lick it, they, they gnaw it, they, they put it between their paws, they study it, they, they ruminate on it. My, my, my grandmother would say they ruminate that's the word Hagah. That's what they're talking about here. If you've ever been around a cat, sometimes uh, if, if they're eating something, you can hear kind of a, a, a little rumble, mm, they, kind of like a little motorboat in their minds. They're, they're kind of, they're doing a little something. They're, they're, they're ruminating, they're speculating, they're contemplating, they're hibernating, they're regurgitating, they're conjugating. They're doing all those aiding things. They're, they're, they're studying that particular thing they're eating. That's the word Hagah. When you think about it, you, 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 you sort of study it. Now, 
In transcendental meditation, the idea is to empty your mind. I would kill it uh, as a transcendental meditation is. Ba- basically, there's very little in there. It would be so empty, uh, easy to empty it. But, but, but this isn't that. What, what he's saying, there is a specific object to the meditation. So when he's talking about, he says, when you meditate on God's law or God's word, this is the pathway to blessedness, to being blessed. If you want God to bless you, this is the way that you do it. There's a specific object of the meditation. Now, think about how different it would be. And I know some of you all are saying, okay, I'm going to read my Bible every, uh, this year every day. Great. I want you to read your Bible every day. But too many times in my life, it's been, okay, I read, I read that chapter, check. I'll go on to the next thing. Well, that's not Haggah. That's not meditation or rumination. That is simply, I'm going to get through it. Uh, It's on my to-do list, and that's really not what we're talking about here. So the other day, I was preparing for this message, and that morning I read my Bible, and I happened to be in Matthew uh, 28. And this is the section. I'm just going to show you what I did. Okay, I'm going to read. uh, This is the paragraph, and it kind of spoke to me, and I'll tell you what it spoke to me. So uh, let me set it up for you. The resurrection has happened. Oops, I think I went forward and didn't mean to. The resurrection has happened. Some ladies go to the tomb. They're going to anoint Jesus' body. They find an empty tomb there. They find an angel there. Um, and this is after that event, okay? While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. So the guards had been kind of knocked uh, silly, uh, if you will. When the chief priest had met with the elders and and devised the plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, you are to say his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this report gets back to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money, did as they were instructed, and this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. So I kind of chewed on that a little bit. All right, what does it say? Well, people in power, this, this is how it related to me today. People in power will lie to stay in power. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever noticed that, uh, but that's the truth. People in power will lie to stay in power, whether it's Democrat, liberal, uh, 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 Republican. Uh, if they're in power, certain people, I'm not saying all of them, certain people, when in power, will lie to stay in power. That's what that said to me. It also said this. Um, for some, so these guards, were they encountered an angel... And yet they still didn't believe. For some people, it doesn't matter what happens in their life, they're just not going to believe. It's just not going to happen for them. Some, some people are like that. Um, this story says to me, uh, there are folks who can be bought off. Did it say large sum of money? I can't remember now. What's it at the end there? Uh, the soldiers, a large sum of money. They were given a large sum of money. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, can, can, can I be bought off? Is, is, there a, is there a large enough sum of money where I would do, where I would, do a, where I would lie? Because that's what these guys did. There's a large, there was a large enough sum of money for them. I mean, it doesn't say this, but in that story, I'm kind of speculating. Maybe the, the religious leaders said, okay, we'll give you 10 bucks. To, and it's like, we're, we can't be bought for 10 bucks. Well, can you be bought for 100 bucks? I mean, that's kind of how this feels to me. 
And for a large sum of money, they could be bought off. And, and I want to check my heart. What, what sum of money would it take to buy me off? It, I would hope it would be none. That I have principles and character and I can't be bought off. And then something else about this that kind of struck me. It was kind of, it makes me giggle. I like to read the Bible and giggle. And uh, the, the first thing I thought of was, oh, uh, fake news is nothing new. Uh, it's kind of the first thing I thought of, oh, well, fake news has been around a long time. And this was fake news. And that's kind of how it looks when you dwell on a verse. When you, when you haggah a verse, you, you think about it. What does it mean for me? And at the beginning of this psalm, there's this contrast. Blessed is the one who doesn't do certain things like walk in the steps of the wicked or stand with sinners or sit with mockers. But those who delight in the word, the law, of the Lord. There are lots of voices giving us advice, and not all advice is the same. Uh, J.D. Rockefeller died in 1937. His adjusted worth, uh, if, if that money he had when he died would, would be in today's uh, monetary uh, sums, uh, he, would have been, he, would died, he would have died worth about $1.4 billion. So he had money. And they asked him, what is your secret to success? This was his advice. Go to work early, stay at work late, find oil on your land. Uh, that's great advice. That's perfect advice. I mean, that's just perfect. Yeah, find oil on your land. So, the delighting in the law, it's not, I'm not going to listen to every opinion. See, the, the purpose of meditation is this. It's not so much to make the truth clear, but to make it real. Because we live in a society where what you think becomes what's real. Well, I can think a lot of things that aren't real. I can think I'm a different gender, but that doesn't make it real. There's reality, and then there's feeling. And so God's Word is real. And it's getting the real into my spirits so that I can judge everything by what is real. It gives me a baseline. It's really, really important that I know what's real. And so I'll read something and I'll say to myself, well, and I really, if, if I could do this over, if we had a second service, I would say, since what the Bible says is true. Because it's not if, it's since. Since what the Bible says is true, what does that mean for me? So I read this verse. Uh, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And what does that mean for me at work? What does that verse mean for me at home? And what does that verse mean for me on Wade Hampton Boulevard when I'm driving? And there are a bunch of people <laughs> out there who don't use their dirty signals. Uh, what does it mean for me, this verse, what does it mean for me uh, when my neighbor's dog keeps barking all night? What does it mean for me when I'm given too much change or not charged the appropriate amount? What does it mean to me to do unto others when the server messes up my order? What does it mean to me in the everyday of life? What does it mean to me? Somebody once said, meditation is the mind descending into the heart. See, we have these Disney movies, and their slogan is, follow your heart. 
It is the worst advice ever. The Bible says the heart is deceptive above all things. Follow the truth. Jesus said the truth will what? Set you what? Set you free. It's not about how I feel. It's about what is real. That's what makes the difference. Meditation is connecting the truth of God's word to your heart. Now, Josiah's going to come up. I'm gonna, I, I've told you kind of the individual way. and when, So when I said Josiah's going to come up, that means you come up. Uh, it's good. It's good. And you're going to do the handheld. You're like balling. All right, good. Okay. He's going to tell you about groups. So I don't know how I'm supposed to respond to the creamy Oreo filled center. Um, <laughs> kind of made me uncomfortable a little bit. I'm not sure. Uh, but I do know how to respond to the meditation part. Um, that would not work for me. Um, I am ADHD. Um, and uh, when Joseph said he could clearly or easily clear his mind, uh, my mind went down a rabbit trail. Um, it started with uh, meditation, the picture of Joseph sitting in a KFC, licking his fingers and saying, yum. Um, I sat there and saw that for a minute, so that was, that was kind of funny in my head. Um, and then it went to, what am I going to have for lunch today? And then listed a list of my favorite uh, meals and then listed uh, what I don't like about those meals, and then why I don't like it, and on and on and on. So clearly, uh, I can't clear my mind very easily, um, and that is, <laughs> meditation is not for me. Um, but what I do like is learning together in a group. Uh, and real quick, I just want to say, uh, before I get started. Thank you for those uh, parents who let your kids go with us on our Winter Extreme Conference, our Winter Conference. They had such an amazing time, and it was such a beautiful picture of community. Not only community for students, but community for Christians as a whole. And so we're going to talk a little bit more about that this morning. Um, and I just want to paint a picture here um, of what community looks like, and especially here at Freedom. So a lot of times when the new year comes up, we have this question that we ask as Christians. What are we going to see God do? Or how is God going to work this year? And sometimes, more often than not, we most likely forget that because God is the creator, he's always engaged with his creation. He's always working. And a lot of times what happens is we have to ask the question, are we engaged in that same creation? Are we just as involved as God is? And see, the thing is, there is a life that is in front of you. And oftentimes, we catch ourselves looking in the past. When you're driving a car, they have this great safety feature for you. They're called mirrors. Some people use them, like turn signals, and then there are some that don't. Um, and one of the ones that is given to you is this rear view mirror that sits up in the top part. And if you look at it, you can only see so much of it. Only so much you can see behind you. And a lot of times that's how our past is. We, we constantly look at this mirror and see our past and see our faults and our flaws. The problem is there's a life that's in front of us. When I was uh, getting my driver's license, uh, you had to go through a course over a day and then you had to have driving experience. And so the driving instructor would take you out in his own car 
I hope he had insurance. Um, but he would take you out in his own car, and one of the things that I had to do was I had to drive the car backwards while looking at this mirror. Now, if you've ever tried to do that, you see the problem. For someone who's never driven a car before, that's a little difficult. Do I turn right to go left? Do I turn left to go right? How do I, how do I accomplish this task? And it's very, very hard. It was extremely hard for me um, because of my ADHD. I'd see something in the corner of my eye and go, whoa, what's that? And the car would go the opposite way of which it needed to go. Um, and so that mirror for us driving serves a purpose. And our past serves a purpose. Our past teaches us things and teaches us lessons that we wouldn't necessarily do again, um, especially if it was really bad. But more often than not, where our attention needs to go is the windshield, because this is where life is. This is where the road is. This is where we're going. And so we have to pay attention to life. We have to pay attention to what is in front of us. And so... um, there's this guy, great author. His name is C.S. Lewis. Some of you probably know him. He's uh, most notable for uh, Narnia and the Screwtape Letters. He once said this. He says, you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. And that's where the psalmist comes in. Psalm 1, 1, and 2. If we relook at these verses, it says, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. And what we see here is that the ungodly life is based upon the people and the things that we allow our attention to be in. If we give people attention, they are who um, get to dictate our life. So, uh, someone who walks in the counsel of the wicked or stands in the way of sinners or sits in the seat of mockers is learning from them. We learn from the people and the things that are in front of us, just like with our cell phones. Our cell phones uh, give us this advice as we're scrolling. We're seeing the highlight reel of other people's life while we're living our own life. People don't post on social media the bad things in their life. They only post the good things. And when we compare our life to theirs, it seems lackluster. We don't see all the bad things that they're going through. We just see the good things. And so this counsel refers to a form of thinking. The word uh, way refers to a behavior, and the word mockers refers to your attitude. So I want us to see three questions here, three questions based off of this scripture. Who and what shapes your thinking? Who and what shapes your behavior? And then who and what shapes your attitude? And see, we, as Joseph said earlier, we spend a majority of our time on our cell phones. I can't tell you how many times I've bought something that I did not need because I saw an ad for it on social media. I'm a compulsive spender. And ads on social media don't work for me because I'll go and I'll buy things that I see that I don't need. Now, not only are we influenced by social media, but we're also influenced by the people that we are in company with. I have a friend, okay, 
or I did have a friend when I was younger. He lived down the street from me, and uh, I didn't have a car because I was nine years old, so I rode my bike down to his house. And we were, I thought, good friends. And, you know, we're typical boys, so we're out in his backyard one day, and we're throwing rocks at each other, right? You know, typical boy stuff, you know? Uh, Get a bruise, what's that? I don't know, it's just a rock. Um, Well, we're sitting there throwing rocks at each other, and he throws a rock at me, and I dodge it, and it hits his grandparents' window. Now, you say, oh, yes, okay, you obviously know where this is going. So, I asked him, I'm like, oh, no, we're going to get in trouble. He said, no, we're not. We won't get in trouble. I said, what do you mean? He said, they're going to remodel this basement anyway. They're going to take out all the windows. They're going to redo everything. He said, as a matter of fact, we're just helping them. We're helping them in the, in the remodeling process. And I'm like, are you, sh- are you sure? And he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anytime someone says yeah three times, don't go along with it. It's not worth it. It is not worth it. So over the course of the next few weeks, slowly, both of us threw rocks at the window, that same window, until there was no glass left. Well, then, being already influenced by him, he proceeded to again say, you know what I think would be so cool? You take this shovel, and you push up against the frame of the window and see if you can get it out. So already having the approval of my friend who thought it was a great idea what we were doing, I took that shovel and I pushed it, pushed it on the frame of the window and pushed the window frame out. My parents are sitting here this morning and you can already bet um, I could not sit down for a week after that came out because uh, it just so happened that his grandparents happened to go down there and find something, and the window was gone. How did that happen, grandson? It was Josiah. He did it. He did it all. So naturally, I was in trouble. Needless to say, I was very influenced by my friend at the time. But as adults, we also are influenced by the things that we want. I have a friend um, who absolutely loves Elton John. Elton John is his favorite musician of all time. I have some questions for him about that, but we'll get, we'll, we'll get there one day. Um, and Elton John, if you know anything about Elton John, he is on his farewell tour right now. And Elton John came to uh, Charlotte, Columbia, and Charleston, I think, on that tour. He saw him at all three places. Uh, I was a little concerned because I have never seen someone that many times on a same tour uh, doing the same set list, singing the same words, the same songs. It seems kind of boring, but no, he was absolutely ecstatic. Every time he got to go see Elton John, he was super excited. And what he would do is he would push everything else aside just to go see Elton John. If he had plans with a friend, he's like, oh, nope, Elton's coming to the town, and I'm going to see his concert. We can't do it that night. He would make plans around something that he had already done once and twice to see it a third time. And I'm sure if Elton John comes back this way on his farewell tour, he'll see him a fourth time. But we 
we are the same way. And if we're not careful, we can find ourselves being influenced by even a group of people that we should not be around. My friend. Shouldn't have been around him. Bad influence. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says this, Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. And it's true. I was corrupted by my friend. He told me it was okay. And I believed him. I was a nine-year-old kid. What more am I going to do? But even more so, we are also under the influence of the people that we are around. I wanted his approval. I wanted to do the thing that would make him like me. And here's what I want to answer this morning. How do we combat this influence? How do we go about not being influenced by the wrong people? And Acts chapter 2 has a great answer to this question. So Acts chapter 2 verses 46 through 47 says this, Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. What we see here is we see the early church living in community. One of the first things we see is they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple. They devoted themselves to meeting together. They were together like we are right now. They're learning together. They're growing together. They met together. But also, they were enjoying the favor of all the people. It also says that they sold all of their possessions and gave need to anyone or gave uh, what was needed by any of the people. They were out there. They were looking out for their brothers and their sisters. They weren't looking out for just themselves. They were looking out for the people that they were in community with. And so this community, it's a beautiful picture. There's this Greek word, okay? You're learn, you're, it's like being in uh, language class this morning. You're, you're getting to learn two things. So you had Hagah, which is Hebrew, but we're also learning Greek. So this word is koinonia. Koinonia. And this word is, uh, the, the, the word means Christian fellowship or communion with God or most commonly with fellow Christians. And that's what the church in Acts did. They had koinonia. They were in close fellowship and relationship with each other. And so, how do we as a church have this koinonia? We get involved in groups. We get involved in groups. Now, some of you in here have been life group leaders, some of you have been life group attenders, and some of you are on the fence about joining a life group. And what I would say to you is that uh, if you seriously want to have a positive influence in your life this year and have a better life or a better year than possibly the past few years, um, Join a group. Get in a community with people. I, I can't tell you the, the joy and the feeling of getting in a group of people that you know their names, but you don't know a whole lot about them. And then when you come out of that life group, you are uh, a stronger, not only believer because you've grown, but you have become a family. That group has become a family. And you see, Jesus and his disciples are the primary, 
or the, the prime example of what a group should be. Jesus took his disciples everywhere that he went. They were constantly learning from him, growing with him, and they did everything together. And you see what they went on to do after Christ ascended back into heaven. One of the things is groups. Groups is a, is a very positive place. It has changed my life. Being involved in a, a group of my own with the students has been incredible. I teach the, the guys small groups for, for the student ministry. And instead of every week teaching them more about Christ, more often than not, they have taught me as well as I am teaching them. And it's, it's a beautiful picture because we all have something to bring to a life group. And 1 Corinthians 12 tells us this same thing. 1 Corinthians 12, 24 through 26 says, Instead, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable, so that there would be no division in the body but that the members would have the same concern for each other. So if one member suffers, all members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. We are the body of Christ. We suffer together, we grow together, we love together. In times of hardship, that group will be your strength. In times of sadness, that group will bring you joy. So as we look back to Psalm 1, 1 and 2, as we're looking this morning, looking back at these verses, we can see that the psalmist has chosen his own path. He has steered clear of those who would intentionally influence him to do wrong. We see that he has decided to let something and someone else guide his path. I want to give a warning to those of you who have been in a life group, and take a break. Don't take a break for too long. We see Peter in the New Testament as he's walking with Christ. He's walking, he's learning, he's growing with Christ. But then what we see is he finds his way into a courtyard standing with sinful people, cursing, mocking, and calling for the crucifixion of Christ. And ultimately what happens is he sits down and denies Christ three times. He let the people around him influence him to do what he said he would never do, and that was deny Jesus. The idea here is that no one walks or sits or stands on their own. It's, it's an action. Standing, walking, and sitting are choices that we make. We choose where we sit, we choose where we stand, and we choose where we walk. We should choose and make the choice to stand and sit and walk in the light of the Lord, in positive influences. You may be thinking, I have nothing to offer to a life group, and to that I would say, you do. You do. You might have gone something 
or gone through something in your past that no one else has gone through or that someone else is just beginning to go through. And guess what? You can be a mentor. You can be an encourager. And you can come alongside that person and help guide them through this difficult time. We just finished up in the student ministry a series on the fruit of the Spirit. As Christians, the fruit of the Spirit is something that we should have. Why? Because all of the words that Paul wrote down are attributes of God. And so as being a Christian in a group, you have the opportunity to express friendship, love, hope, joy, peace, and gentleness. And you get to experience uh, giving that to someone who might not be able to get it anywhere else. So, if you want to have a year unlike any other, this is my challenge to you. While you're spending quality time with God, meditating on His Word day and night, while you're spending that time, also spend time growing in your community of believers. In February, we will be having our Life Group Expo. This is a perfect opportunity for those of you who have been in a life group to get in another life group. This is the perfect opportunity for those of you who are on the fence about life groups to make the decision to be involved in one. Life groups have changed my life, and they can change your life for the better. So what we'll do is, uh, in February, the same night as our chili cook-off, there will be tables set up out in the back with life group leaders who will be there uh, so that way you can meet them, get to know them, build a relationship with them. What they want to do as a leader is help you grow closer to Christ. They want to help disciple you. And so grow a relationship with that person. All of them are wonderful people. So I would encourage you on that night that we have that, that you would take the time to walk through, see some of the things that we will offer, and make the choice to join a life group and to grow in your community here at Freedom. Hello, hello. Let me put a bow on this, and then we'll be done. Um, in order to uh, meditate on God's Word, and in order to be a part of a group, you're going to have to give something up. Uh, usually, I mean, your, your time is filled. And so, uh, you have a little time between now and February to figure out, okay, I'm going to be in a group, so what do I have to give up to be a part of that? And... Today you can decide, I want to be a person who, who meditates on God's Word and not just reads it, but I'm going, to, I'm going to challenge you to be more, to do more than that, to go further than that. So let me pray a blessing on us, and then I'll make a couple of announcements, and we'll be done. And you can come tell Josiah uh, all the things he did right, and uh, his dad and I are going to tell him all the things he did wrong. Uh, so be perfect. It's perfect. We, we've already been telling. We're going to coach you up. Uh, so let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for Josiah and his ministry with our kids. And I pray blessings on that for Ashley and her ministry with our children. Uh, for Robin, how she helps us. For Chris, how he leads us in worship. Thank you for our team here. I pray that as we enter 2023 that we would uh, make this the best year ever. That we would grow closer to you every step of the way. And Lord, we know sometimes that means... We have difficulty and hardship, but help us to, to lean in and to cling closer and more to you uh, when those things happen. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.